Maria, thank you so much for doing this. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I want to start this. So generally, what I like to do is give people a little bit of an introduction so that if someone listening to this doesn't know who you are, um, we can kind of capture their attention. And that is perhaps the thing that makes me most excited about this podcast <laughs> is doing that thing with you. Um, how old are you? I'm 29. You're 29 years old. How many transactions did you close last year? 56. 56 transactions. That's a lot of transactions. And how much did you pay your assistant last year? Zero dollars. <laughs> so you didn't have an assistant? No. How about transaction coordinator? Zero dollars. No transaction coordinator? No. And you are in a boutique real estate agency, right? It's yes. And do you understand how amazing that is? <laughs> I mean, now I do. <laughs> yes. So that's the thing. You know, so the point that I'm trying to make is when you're 29 years old in this industry, there is inherent obstacles that comes with mm -hmm. that. And I think um, the point that I'm trying to make is that if you do 56 transactions as a 29-year-old, it's pretty amazing by itself. Thank you. If you do that without an assistant, that's amazing on itself. If you do it without a transaction coordinator, <laughs> that's amazing on itself. If you yeah. do it without a buyer's agent, that's amazing on itself. And you are you have all of these things going on that say you shouldn't be doing that kind of volume, but you're still going out there and doing it, which mm -hmm. is um, the thing that, that I really admire about you. So you and I met doing a panel, one of those panels where they have a few agents talking about a subject. And the subject was um, working with buyers, if mm -hmm. I remember correctly. Yeah. And people that are watching this may not know this. When you get a bunch of agents in one room, <laughs> There's a subject that can be polarizing, and that subject is Zillow. Yes. Um, purchasing leads. And a lot of agents feel really that, that that's a bad thing because Zillow is going to take over the world and put us out of business. And some agents feel good about it, but generally they don't speak up about it because they know that there's this those other agents in the room. Yeah. But you don't apologize about that. No, and I have always felt that the more information I can share, the more it's going to help everyone. I don't see deals and sales as like something finite. I think a lot of people are under the impression, oh, if I tell you what I do, you're going to go do it better than me. And then I won't have any business. And I don't really feel that way. I think that um, I can sh I can show you everything about how I run my business, but that doesn't mean it's going to take anything away from what I do. It'll just add value to what you do. So that's that's a great mindset. So mm -hmm. you're not looking at it from scarcity; you're looking at it from abundance. Yes, and and that gets said a lot, but it doesn't get practiced near mm -hmm. as often as it gets said. Um, and you started in the business. How old were you? I started full-time when I was 24, a month before I turned 25. I was licensed, though, when I was 19. 19-year-old? Yes. That's, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. But when you started full-time, um, you've talked about this. How did you make the decision to start purchasing leads? How did you come about that decision? Well, for me personally, my sphere wasn't full of anyone ready to buy now. It was all, all my friends were still in college, still trying to graduate with their undergraduate degrees. Um, no one I knew really was ready to buy. I don't have extended family here in Florida. Like there was just no sphere for me to work off of. So I thought, you know, I don't want to be a realtor who sells 12 houses a year. I want to sell big volume. So the only way 
I knew that I would be able to do that was by purchasing internet leads. I was also very introverted and shy when I started. So cold calling, going door knocking in a neighborhood, those were all just things that I couldn't bring myself to do. So um, for me, the only option was to buy internet leads. So you wanted to be a real estate agent. Yeah. And it sounds like you heard that the conventional wisdom is that you should go door knocking and cold calling. Yeah. And you said, that doesn't apply to me because I'm, that's not a strength of mine. Mm -hmm. And so you decided, I still want to do this for a living, however. And I'm going to find a way to be able to tap into this industry in a more unconventional way. And that's great because what you're doing is you are capitalizing on your strengths. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to spend sort of like all this time and, and, and precious capital trying to overcome your weaknesses, you're saying... No, I'm just going to focus on my strengths. Mm -hmm. um, when you're doing 56 transactions without a transaction coordinator and without an assistant, like what's your day-to-day -day look like? Do you have a life? I do. And I have a very active life and everyone's like, oh, you must never do anything fun. I took, I think, four trips last year, big trips. Um, you know, I go to Disney all the time. I, I do what I want to do. I'm That's part of the reason I wanted a career in real estate was because I had very big problems with someone else controlling how I spent my time. Mm -hmm. That was a, really the, the biggest thing for me is I needed that time freedom to do whatever it is that I wanted. And ironically, I have that time freedom and I choose to work the majority of my time. But um, I still, you know, prioritize traveling, spending time with my mom, my boyfriend, Um, so I do have a life. So um, my day to day is just very different depending on if I'm showing property or if I have a listing appointment or closing, etc. But um, I think one of the things that keeps me most organized is that I have running lists of what I need to do and check up and take care of. That ne I mean, it never goes to zero. Mm -hmm. My to do list is never completely empty because it's kind of like a stream of consciousness. Okay, I need to check up on this. I need to. Um, do this and I also kind of have the way that I approach my buyers will create tasks within itself for each individual client as I move through getting them you know into a house and then to closing so that is pretty cool um, because oftentimes the way we do list is we do a sort of like a, a checklist of a few items and then we try to get them done so we can get rid of the list but you're saying this thing never ends it never ends this no it's just an ongoing thing where you just add something when something comes up correct and, and you just sort of orderly go and you check them off mm -hmm. um, one by one um another thing i wanted to talk to you about is i saw you in a panel that was about millennial agents which you fit right in <laughs> your, that age bracket and one thing that i really loved about you and and I was sort of in love with your approach before then, but in that panel, there was a, a, a few different agents that were millennials, and you, your initial sentence was sort of paying tribute and thanking your mom for being such an inspirational part mm -hmm. of your life, for helping you be in this career, because your mom is a real estate agent. Yes. And she's been a real estate agent for how long? She's been a real estate agent for 28 years. So since I was a baby. <laughs> since you were a baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so she's been your greatest mentor, yes. obviously. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's fascinating because oftentimes people want to get away from that and just kind of make it seem like it's all me, me, me. Yeah. But you were the total opposite. You humbly always bring your mom into the equation and you yeah. always thank her. 
even though you run a business on your own. Yeah, for me, that's always been so important. My mom and I have the most special connection ever. And um, she never pressured me to get into the business. All she said was, as soon as I turned 18, just get your license. Mm -hmm. She said, you can study anything you want in college. You can do anything you want, but just make sure you have it. You just never know. That was always what she said. And so um, I actually went to school for English Mm -hmm. and women's studies. So I have an English degree and a women's studies degree. And I ideally wanted to stay in academia and become a professor, go to law school. And then once I graduated, I felt like very burnt out and didn't want to continue. Mm -hmm. And it's like, let me get a job and see what happens. And I went to go work for a real estate attorney. Mm -hmm. So I did closings for about two years. Mm -hmm. So that kind of exposed me to all of the title side of Mm -hmm. everything. And then once I was ready to um, transition, my mom was like, okay, let's do this. And she kind of gave a roadmap for me. But a lot of what my mom taught wasn't like super administrative. This is how you write the perfect contract. This is how you do a listing presentation. For her, it was more like, this is how you make people feel. Mm -hmm. This is how you treat people. This is when you say certain things. This is when you pull back a little bit. This is when you, you know, push a little harder. So with her, it was more tactic versus, I guess, practical training Mm -hmm. or more... um, you know, conventional training with her is more like kind of developing a personality that would be adaptable to a lot of different people. So, I mean, I always tell people she basically handed me a career in my lap. So how am I not going to honor her whenever I can? So that's really cool. And, and you bring up a point that's very um, important when we're talking about you and the way you do things, which is you are someone that develops emotional connections Mm -hmm. with your customers. And I've heard you in the past refer to um, lead purchasing or receiving online leads as dating, as being on a dating, having a dating profile. Yeah. Can can you expand a little bit on that? Because I think it's a very valid analogy and it should be used more. The way you court an online lead is very similar to the way you would approach someone if you're on an online dating uh, platform, Mm -hmm. Um, anything like Tinder, Bumble, etc. You want to be able to make a connection with someone, show value quickly, but not kind of attack them with where are your numbers, what's your credit score, have you been pre-approved? So you want to kind of engage them and get them to fall in love with you before you go through that whole process of, you know, figuring out the numbers and all that stuff. You want to kind of gain some type of loyalty and the way you do that is by providing value. So if someone wants to see a house or someone wants more info on a house, you provide that. And then we can go into details on, you know, how are we going to get you in here? So, And I guess the analogy would work as if you were on a dating website yeah. and you proposed over the phone and you said, yeah. I think we're a great <laughs> connection and I happen to be on one knee right now and I'm going to send you a picture of this ring. Would you like yeah. to marry me? That will probably spook someone. That will out. spook everyone away. I don't know anyone who say yes to that. <laughs> and, and so that's something that's worth talking about because I've been in, a, in countless real estate trainings where they emphasize the importance of having a buyer that's pre-qualified before you take them out. And mm-hmm. you and I are in perfect agreement with this. Yeah. We don't believe in that. We don't believe that you should be asking a buyer something that you're not willing to provide for someone mm-hmm. in order to see a house. And I always give the car dealership example. 
if I walked into a dealership because I wanted to see a car and the sales rep said, well, hey, how you doing? You know, can I see your bank account and your credit score? And like, I would be like, whoa, 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 this is moving <laughs> a little too fast. Yeah. I'm going to go to a different dealership. And conversely, this is how we treat online leads. Mm-hmm. Somebody calls to want to see a house. What we probably should be doing is showing them that house. And there's times the person doesn't qualify afterwards. Yeah. Right? And that doesn't mean that they're not going to qualify in the future. That doesn't mean they're not going to qualify six months from now. That doesn't mean they don't know anyone who wants to buy. Um, and I kind of try to operate from a mindset of yes. Yes, we can make this work. Yes, we'll find a way instead of immediately discounting a person. I think that's kind of our mentality too in this business. Like if you can't provide what I need from you right now, then I'm discounting you. I'm putting you in the bottom of the barrel and I'm not even going to spend any time nurturing you. When I think if you just provide a little bit of guidance, then, you know, if the person's ready now or in a year, you're going to earn a client. So I think a lot of times too, we put our eggs all in baskets of you know clients who are ready to go right now and this business is a marathon it's not a sprint so you know they could be ready now or in a year i get so many people that i don't end up closing till a year a year and a half later because when they come to me it's just not the right time yet but they do come to me later because i have treated them kindly and you know have taken the time to kind of guide them and point them in the right direction and i think it's worth noting too that a lot of lending institutions and online banks and everything, they'll give letters to anyone. So just because someone technically has a letter doesn't mean they're a good buyer. That doesn't mean they're actually pre-approved. It just means that they got a letter online. So, you know, I think it's up to us to educate people, point them in the right direction, um, kind of put them on the right course. And whether it's now or in a year, I mean, you'll still get business. So Yeah. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to throw away people. Exactly. So, yeah. I've always said a buyer is someone that's ready, willing, and able to purchase a home. Mm -hmm. If they're ready and willing but not able, I'm just going to use, I'm going to put them on a different category and we're going to work on that able part because I know the second we got that able part figured out, they're ready and willing. They're going to move forward. And so, especially in the case where you are purchasing leads, Mm -hmm. to not do that. To hinder um, the process by saying to someone, well, I won't show you that house until I have a prequel, until I see your finances, that seems really um, self-detrimental, that you're paying for a lead that's coming to you to do something, Mm -hmm. and you're creating roadblocks to keep that lead from getting closer to you. Yeah. You're operating from a place of no. You're already discounting them before you've even met them in person. Like, I just, I don't agree with that at all. Yeah. Um... So when you're purchasing leads, um, if we go back last year, you did 56 transactions. Mm -hmm. What percentage of those transactions came as a direct result of your presence purchasing leads? About 45%. So basically half. Basically half, yeah. 22 transactions came um, from that. Um, If we were to say for every dollar that you've spent in lead purchases... What's your return been like? So About $11. $11. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a few things to dissect about that. Not everyone's going to get $11. Okay. And, and I've been guilty about this. I've always said, like, well, if, I, if you can show me another investment where I can put in a dollar and get $5 back or $10 back, mm-hmm. um, wouldn't you do it? But it's not that simple. You're putting in the work. You're going out there and you are 
showing homes to this leads. You're you're available all the time mm-hmm. for these people. Um, your your personal life sort of has had to adapt to this so mm-hmm. that you can um, service people on their time. Would that be a fair thing oh, to yeah, say? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. What are, what what has been one of the bigger lessons for you when you're working with a lead that's online versus say a sphere lead? Like how do you? Those those are different things. Mm-hmm. And and is there a difference in your approach to them? Um, yes, because someone who's a sphere lead, they have a general idea of who I am already. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain level of um, trust that's already been built. An internet lead, I'm a complete stranger to them. So when I'm going on that first appointment, I'm trying to build as much of a connection as I can as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get them basically to fall in love with me on mm-hmm. the first date. <laughs> so you're not and selling the house, you're selling yourself. I'm selling myself and what I can offer and um, my experience and you know my knowledge about the area. So I'm basically selling myself as a realtor versus more the property because people know what they like. If I bring someone to a house that, you know, that they love has everything that they want in it. Don't, I don't have to go and make an overly grand presentation about the pool. You know, they, they know what they like, but I do have to make my case for, you know, what value I can bring to your life and how I can help you get into the house. So, yeah. And another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, specifically because you are in your 20s, is social media. How do you use social media in your business? Um, Well, I don't currently do like any sponsored ads or anything or paid ads or anything like that. I tried it. It wasn't really a good fit for how I run my business, but I try to kind of engage in a more organic way, more natural way. So I carve out certain hours of the day to engage on social media with other people. So these are people I have friends in common with. It may be people that I've never hung out with before in person, but I know who they are. They know who I am. I'm interacting with them. I'm, you know, making comments about, you know, whatever it is they're posting. Oh my God, I love that restaurant or I love that place or you look so nice today. I love those earrings. Just kind of, you know, building some type of rapport. And then, you know, if I engage more with them, they're going to see more of my content. And my content is, you know, half personal and then half real estate. So I'll get approached often that way too, because they're like, Hey, I see you online. I love your energy. You know, I've been thinking about buying a house. Can we talk? So it's a good way to reach beyond your sphere. Because keep in mind, before social media to engage in a sphere constantly, you had to go hang out with people. And I don't know who has time to do that nowadays. So now you can hang out virtually and make connections that way. (laughs) Yeah. And that's something that we never had an opportunity to do, not only to be able to do it, but to do it in a grand scale. Mm -hmm. And when I had Matthew on the podcast, that was one of the topics that we talked about that the days of having to send someone, you know, four um, postcards a year or, you know, whatever you did in order to touch base with them, yeah. um, that's sort of becoming a little obsolete because in social media, you can have your customers as friends of yours in social media. Mm-hmm. And you can, you not only can you do those touches four times a year or six times a yeah. year, 33 times a year, whatever the, the amount is, you can do it on a daily basis. You can yeah. be engaged with people on a daily basis. It doesn't always have to be about real estate because mm-hmm. people like people, yeah. you can have a personal touch to it Mm -hmm. and I think you do that really well Um, there's a few people that do that really well you do that really well I think Wendy Stewart does that really Mm -hmm. well you guys have sort of been the masters of 
being able to blend your personal profile with your business profile and have them work in sync. Yeah. Because for the longest time, what the experts, and I don't know what qualifies as experts <laughs> yet, but when I figure it out, I'll probably do a podcast about that. Yeah. But the experts used to say, keep your personal personal, keep your business business. And that what, what that ended up being was you ended up with a really boring business profile. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, houses are really cool and interesting if you're in the market. But for the average person on a day-to-day basis, this is not something that people want yeah. to see in their face every single day. Um, is there anything that you're planning to do differently um, in 2019 that you think it's going to help you in 2019 versus 2018? What are your plans? Well, I finally have an assistant. You have an assistant. <laughs> I wow. finally bit the bullet and just got an assistant. And it's more to continue the same level of production as last year. And we've hired a few new agents. So my role has kind of shifted more to like mentor in that arena. So I want to have like my time freed up a little bit to help them. So yeah, that's really the biggest change so far. I also increased what I've been spending on Zillow. Because I saw such a great return last year. So to me, it was a no-brainer to up that number. So, um, yeah, just kind of kind of a continuation of last year. But then, you know, implementing more support so I can hopefully sell more houses or the same amount as last year. Yeah, I mean, and, and oftentimes I think it's really good to be able to know that you can do it. Yeah. And so you did 56 by yourself, no assistant, no transaction mm-hmm. coordinator. And then what happens is you get an assistant now and it relieves some of that from your shoulders. But if that didn't work out, you know, you can do it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a really good approach. I think the approach that I don't like is when an agent is brand new and they're told they need to have an assistant. They need to have a transaction coordinator and they never figure out how to do this stuff. They never learn how to do this stuff. They're writing big checks for things that they could be doing themselves. Mm -hmm. And, and in they, they, they're less connected to that transaction um, during that time. And so yeah. um, so I really like your approach. I like the approach of getting in the trenches, learning how to do it, sort yeah. of getting dirty with it, and then saying, you know what? I think I got this master. We're going to take this off my back so that I can focus on other areas of the business. Yeah, I completely agree. I think people um, jump the gun too early on building a team and, you know, getting an assistant or an intern or whatever. Um, you want to have a lot of experience with all different types of transactions. You want to be able to deal with all types of personalities. In order to do that, you need to be hands-on with what's going on. So, yeah, I'm a big proponent of that. And if you're needing someone to help you this early on, what are you going to do when you're building to 30, 40 deals a year? It's, you know, it's going to be overwhelming if you're, you know, kind of delegating so much to someone else and it's expensive too. So, yeah. I know that your mom is a big part of what you do yes. um, because she's the broker of the company that you have your license with. Um, but your mom has, you know, probably guided you more by example than anything else. A lot of what you do comes from your gut intuition. Your business yeah. exploded when you decided to start purchasing leads and that was a decision that you made. Mm-hmm. And so you started, you made that decision, your, your business sort of exploded from that point, And it's because you follow your gut instinct. Yeah. Is there anything else in your life that you do? Like, for example, I hear a lot in real estate, people, people hire coaches. And I'm not really sure what it is that they get from these people. Because yeah. I've been 
in that position where I have a coach, mm-hmm. and to me, it didn't provide a whole lot of value because there was nothing more accountable. There's there was nothing that would hold me accountable better than looking at my, my bank account balance. Yeah. And so, do you have a coach? Is that something that you're doing now, or or are you pretty much like the same thing? Like you look at your bank account and you're like, oh, thousand houses. <laughs> um, also, you know, I'll, I will say, very early in my career, I made a decision to be very thrifty in my spending, and you know, try to keep my expenses to a minimum because I didn't want to get to that place where I'm chasing the next check in order for me to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. So very early on. I put the, my first couple checks into a savings account and never touched it because I wanted to build that base. And that's how I was able to invest in leads very early. I think a lot of people are spending their commissions before they get them. And I think that's a way to kind of, you know, get caught up and, and, you know, perpetuate a cycle that's not very good psychologically too. Cause people can tell when you're hungry for money. People can, they smell it. They smell the desperation. And it's not so, a good smell. And it's not a good smell. So. I will say that when you're starting out, you want to be able to save as much as you can just so you have that little cushion. But um, yeah, I've never had a, like a formal coach that I pay every month. No, um, there's so much available online that is free that you know you can find and use that I think paying thousands of dollars for a coach to tell me to go do Popeyes and bring presents. Like for people, I, I can find that online for free. So if you capitalize on, you know, what's out there that's available for free, I think you get a much better return. I've looked into coaching programs that are anywhere from five to $10,000. And it, literally all I think of is I can just go buy more Zillow leads with that. Why am I going to go pay someone? And someone's not going to teach me to be more myself. And the more I'm myself, the more houses I sell. So that's kind of been my approach to it. Be yourself. Understand your strengths and your weaknesses. Yeah. Be thrifty. Yes. <laughs> keep, your, keep your expenditures in check. Yes. And you can sell 56 homes. Exactly. It's just like that magic formula. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this, Maria. This of course. This has been a lot of fun. Um, and we're going to be doing this again, I'm sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs>